And this is Julia. And this is Running Out of Movies, Austin Nights. Because we have moved to Austin, Texas. <laughs> since, since, between the last podcast and this one. There's been a gap. We've moved from New York to Austin. Yeah, which we, we actually, we decided even before all the quarantine stuff. Yeah. In like December This is a long time year. coming, but. Yeah, we're getting priced out because, look, we love New York. I was there for nine years. You were there for like 11 years. It's like 10, just, yeah. well, like 10 and a half, I guess. But here's the thing. It's like there's all these cool people living in New York, and there's also just like rich people who want apartments to store their whale bones. So, um, you know, so we got, we got priced. <laughs> That's like half and half. We got priced out. We we went on the internet, and we were like cool places to live, and, and they said Austin. And number one yeah. popped up. Yeah, so we're here. Again, we're uh, hiding in a slightly bigger apartment, which is nice. Hiding in a in a million times bigger apartment. Yeah, well, it's... I didn't want to, I don't want to make, the, if they're listening in New York, I don't want to make them sad. Oh, but no, guys, yeah. if you're listening in New York, get out of there. Have you looked at real estate prices elsewhere? It's yeah. amazing. Here, I have a room just for my socks and toenail clippings. <laughs> so it's, um, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's much, it might even be echo. Like, we'll take it out. Might be echoey. You yeah, you can only take out so much echoey. The thing is, we're still little scrappy artistic New York poppers, so we don't have enough objects to fill this <laughs> uh, this apartment with. We are like, uh, so yeah, it's it's echoey. We'll we'll fix that. I think. We'll do what we can. Yeah, we'll do what we can. So first impressions on Austin. We haven't really left our apartment for because public health concerns are still an issue. Sure, we are still. In the middle of a pandemic, so... And we also don't have a car, so... Mm. There's only so many places we can go. So we're just we're just in our apartment, which is already so much calmer and more spacious. And yeah, nicer. I mean, yeah, we'll always miss New York, but yeah, we, the, this... And I it, mean, it's, yeah, completely different thing. Completely no, different thing, No yeah. comparison. But, but no, I really recommend... I've never set foot in Texas. And um, I, we just flew here, and we landed, and I was like, I live here now. Okay, so that like you'd been here to Austin before. Yeah, I visited once. I just moved here, so I didn't see. And it's like it's a really, it's as always as a fiction writer and a, a creative. Uh, most of my behavior is some sort of cry for help. Um, <laughs> so, but no, it's been great so far. Everyone's really nice. Um, I expected to be told, just based on movies and television, that I'm not from around here. Um, but no, no one has said that. Been very friendly. Yeah. No, I mean, a few people have called me a greenhorn and thrown my hat into a tree, but that's that's about it, honestly. And Most of those people were me. And, and I was begging for it. I know how to push, <laughs> I just know how to push your buttons. And, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, tonight we watched Air Force One. Air you Force were, One. You had never seen. This is another yes. movie you don't see in the theater that I saw in the theater. <laughs> yeah. This was 1997, starring Harrison Ford, about... Air Force One getting hijacked, it's great. Yeah, and I was realizing that um, like a third of the movies we watch are just us trying to watch Die Hard in different environs. It was incredibly Die Hard r- related. Yes. That we're noticing a l- like a lot of parallels, for the, especially for the first half of the movie. Yeah. So the, the ends are kind of... It gets kinda... into its own thing. It gets into some fun, like some fun individual stuff, especially with like the plane maneuvers and stuff were fun. Um, but uh, this was... I remember it's like... And I actually thought it was a pretty good thriller. What I was amazed with was looking at the date this came out. It was 1997. I was 14. But my... I was 9. That's because I'm gross. We've just had some gross. It's okay. Uh, but um, just my reaction to the premise of this movie and going to see it was just absolutely exhausted with popular culture. And I was 14 years old. <laughs> 
of being like the president oh. is like in doing Die Hard. I was like, at the time, I was just like, this is insane. Um, like in a negative way? Like yeah. you weren't excited about it? No, I was... What a fun premise. <laughs> what, what an exciting concept for a movie. I mean, now the idea of Air Force One being hijacked, of course. Sure. I mean, like, there's, yeah. there's a different... Different, uh, the presidency means something different now yeah. than it did in 1997. And I think it's also like I was like poor and living in Toledo, Ohio, so it's like it didn't feel like a fun distraction. It felt like here's your slurry, <laughs> you, you, you know, you. But I mean, is that not all the movies that you saw? Like, but this didn't feel like, I mean, was this an and extra also, disappointment? Looking up the director now, I have a different point of view on it, too, because we just looked at that briefly. But at the time, I just felt like it was very much like listening to a Creed song. Like, it, I'm not saying the Creed song is good or bad. I'm saying, like, nothing real is going to happen to me aesthetically while I'm watching this Creed song. You know, it's going to be, I'm going to listen to a Creed song, and Creed has decided that there are sort of parameters that a song can exist in and like I want to I want to zigzag all outside of that I feel like you're going real negative off the top I no. love this movie I had the most fun watching this movie and if I'm, you haven't seen this movie I highly recommend it and what I'm saying now is now like I like after four, like I'm not 14 anymore I've gotten out of Toledo Ohio I've kissed a woman you know like I, you know like I've I, I've seen I've seen uh, Rome at dusk, you know. I, I, <laughs> okay, so you're saying 14 year old you was disappointed? Not disappointed because like, I had no expectations for this grown movie. Grown up you is like uh, 14 year old me was just sort of like this cannot be it. It cannot be me sitting in Toledo watching a fake president oh, run around an airplane. I see. Okay, yeah. so it's like burgeoning need for escape. Exactly. Where I was just like, that's this, fair. I was like, this at the time. I was like, this is a enter an entertainment that is geared toward people who want to be exactly where I am twenty years from now. Having watched this twenty years later and having uh, done a bunch of cool stuff, a bunch <laughs> of really dumb stuff. Like I'm just sort of like Air Force One. I'm ready for you. Uh, <laughs> So anyway, so Air Force One. So you liked it right off the bat. You I were loved like, it. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was great. I mean, we're both big Harrison Ford heads. Oh, Har yeah. And Harry heads, a... I call it. <laughs> <laughs> we're both big Harry heads. <laughs> One of us, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, this is a good, this is good, solid, medium old Harrison Ford. Yeah. Uh, which is... Right. It's the second best Harrison Ford to medium young Harrison Ford. What about super young Harrison Ford? Like later on Harrison Ford. That's Is he just like too cute to deal with? Is that the thing? That's a great question because it's like, for me, peak Harrison Ford is Indiana Jones and maybe Star Wars. So that's like, oh, that's like, that's medium young. Medium, right. That's so, super, wait, I don't know when Blade Runner came out, but he just looks. Was that earlier than? I don't, that, we should look this up. I'm Googling this right now. Yeah. But just in Blade Runner, he looks like the youngest person who's ever lived, who's ever survived even, being that young. I can't even, like, pull up an image in my head of Blade Runner. But really, just because I guess his hair is shorter, he just looks like a troubled 18-year-old in Blade <laughs> Runner. Harrison Ford. He was born in 1942. Oh, I knew he had something to do with World War II. <laughs> a year that it happened. Yeah, I'll do it. I got. It. I'll do it. You just seem like you're trying. I was trying. Well, it's trying to make me sign up for a pro account. I just want to. You want to change his height? I just want to see all. The, well, I clicked just all. She's the over here changing his <laughs> board height. 
October. Oh, uh oh, uh oh, guys. 2022 Untitled Indiana Jones Project. Oh, that's going to be garbage. No, thank you. Everybody. I have no faith in any of the people involved. No, we already we tried it once. It didn't work. Oh, yeah. Wait, he was born so in 1942, and Star Wars, well, 1980 for the, for the Empire Strikes Back. Mm hmm. Which means he was 38. He's 38, right? So he was 38 in the 80s? How has he been attractive for so long? I am. So what we're finding out is there is no young Harrison Ford. It was all 40-year-old Harrison Ford. When was Blade Runner? After that. Okay. 1982. So Star Wars and Blade Runner, I will say, is... Star Wars and Raiders of the Lost came out in 81. So Star Wars and Raiders of the Lost Ark and Blade Runner all... That's Ford, young. That's, well, but it's 40-year-old Harrison Ford. There is no young Harrison Ford. No, but I'm saying like... We yeah. solved it. <laughs> but I'm saying young-seeming Harrison Ford. And Blade Runner, that that's crazy. He seems so young in that movie. Right? That doesn't seem possible. So he was born in 1942. How did he let this information get out? <laughs> so anyway, we've established that there is no young Harrison Ford. But I, what, what we mean is like, in terms of just what we think of as earliest stuff, no, it's nothing until it's nothing until first Star Wars. Star Wars, nineteen seventy-seven. Oh, so I missed. Your new hope. hope. Okay, yeah, okay. yeah I so, okay. So that's three years earlier. That was he was thirty-five. Yeah, so that's young-ish. Uh, so yeah, so what we think of as young Harrison Ford, I'm just gonna. That's not even medium young. That's, I guess it's just, I'm just gonna, young. I'm just gonna throw some pins down. So I think Star Wars: New Hope, young Harrison Ford, um, and then that goes to he's in briefly in Apocalypse Now. Um, Star Wars, 19, Empire Strikes Back, 1980, Raiders, 81, Blade Runner, 82. Right, these are all, these are all the same, in the same five years, bam. Yeah, 83, Return of the Jedi, up until, okay, so Temple of Doom, yuck, um, <laughs> Witness, Mosquito Coast, I read that novel, I want to I wanna watch that movie. You watch that movie. Frantic, I'm still going to say it's Young Harrison Ford, okay. Working Girl. Working Girl, 1988. Like medium. We, medium, yeah. Yeah, it's no longer early Harrison yeah. Ford. 1983, he's very medium. He's no longer medium young, medium old. He's medium. In yeah. The, yeah. Okay, so clear and present danger. Um, he's still medium here. Yeah. Devil's Own, I think we're getting older. Yeah, so he What's is... What's Devil's Own? I tried to show you. It's like Brad Pitt doing an Irish accent, and you were like, absolutely not. <laughs> I thought... I thought... I mean, yeah, I would think that's like... Yeah, but... That's all good things. No, I think you had problems with it. I, I, I liked it. It's like, the, I think the problem with this era of Harrison Ford in, like, the mid to late 90s is because of the Tom Clancy properties. Mm. He kind of got, like, it was, like, this these sort of Republican IPs that, like... Oh, right, because Patriot Games is, is, is yeah. that, right? And, and Clear and Presentation. And it was all, all about, like... Starting 1992. And it was all about him being the sort of, like, dad pride out of his basement sure. to to fight terrorists. I mean, that's exactly what this movie was. Yeah. Like, we, we made a note, the um, opening credits... The, like, the theme song behind, or whatever, not the theme song, but whatever, the music behind the opening credits is just, like, hardcore American patriotism. Yeah. Like, it might as well have been the national anthem. Absolutely. The the credit music to this movie sounded like if the West Wing's theme song got drunk and called its ex. Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was just very, and it's kind of, like, patriotic to the point of sort of, like, you have not earned this? Are you okay? <laughs> yeah. Um, it, what it made me think of is, like... Oh, the presidency and being American in 1997 felt very different than yeah. now. Those things have, like, when when the movie started making that, uh, doing that um, 
patriotic music, I was like, careful, yeah. guys. No, like, this does not, this clearly, this sentiment does not exist anymore. This means um, something different now. So the movie opens on Harrison Ford giving a speech that is supposed to be very provocative, but is just kind of, um, yeah. him being like, terrorism, uh-uh, not in my house. I didn't get that. actually follow the speech of it, but uh, it was supposed to be that he did something that was like, noble and correct but Mm -hmm. um made his fellow politicians nervous it's sort of like he very much espoused the kind of uh, the sort of moral high ground that america hilariously has tried to (laughs) uh export um well i to be fair i think the sentiment the the needle they're trying to throw in that speech is sort of like the president was saying like uh president Harry Ford was saying, um... I don't like that. Calling Harrison <laughs> Harry? Yeah, it makes me uncomfortable. Um, in the past, this fake administration had kind of tried to deal with cruel people, um, politically, and for kind of, like, honoring equilibrium over justice. Um, but just, I think, living the political reality we're in now, just a U.S. president talking to other people about justice is just like beyond silly to me it's like we are way past that it's sort of like let's see if we can keep the post office going and like and then take it from there in terms of justice it's very like quaint yeah like uh, like oh what an adorable thing that you still think that you guys can talk about yeah back in back in the 90s so his staff does not like the speech they're like this that was too hardcore yeah, and for some reason, what yeah. was the thing they didn't like about it? I think that they were saying that like um, it was going to be too tough to back up politically, and um, so uh, it's going to be too hard line of a stance. Yeah, I feel like the. I mean, I feel like the only important like movie plot thing that they were going for is that like he has ideals and he doesn't care about politics. Yes, that is like the... He's, he's yeah. more about his ideals. And I think that they did as best as they could to not make it partisan. Like, I don't really know if this was a Republican or a Democrat yeah. president. No, I mean, I, yeah. I mean, I also did not follow... I, I have no memory of any of the actual words that he said during his mm-hmm. entire speech. Yeah, the speech was, I think, about, like, you know, justice and whatever, but it was very much like when you try to, like, um enter a password during a dream you know like it's sort of like what well, <laughs> yeah. you know it's just like it, it makes sense in the summary but if you try to like focus in on any specific details of it they'd vanish weird. but you're right in terms of story the only real content there is that he was taking a a principled stance yeah and his staff was trying to make him take a real political stance he's taking a principled stance no matter what yeah because he's harrison ford absolutely but also the movie actually opens with some people in helicopters attacking some other people, oh, and I don't, I don't think that. it ever came up again. And I have no idea what was it, what it was in reference well, to, even now. Was it Harrison? Because Harrison Ford was supposed to have been a pilot, but no, was it was it within no, no, the it same like, present like moment of the movie? Three weeks prior to the present moment. Okay, so I think we're seeing that there, like the idea that we get is that um, the U.S. Uh, has backed a more moderate regime, and then um, there is this more violent regime, and maybe the helicopter thing was had to do with the violent regime. I would I don't not know. know. I know about as much about what the politics of this movie as I do about the politics of the real world, <laughs> which is that um, we're going to talk a lot about it. 
So, um, so anyway, so we have the speech. We have like him kind of being like doing the sort of um, the Martin Sheen in the car, being like, "I'm the president," and you know that what you just uh, just put that in your pipe and smoke it because I'm the <laughs> I'm the president, Jack. Um, and uh, then we see he gets on a he gets on the plane pretty pretty immediately. Before that, we uh, I don't want to I don't want to make this too upsetting, but we see a. A news crew get on the plane before the president. That's right. And this news crew has, brace yourself, sit down if you're not sitting down. This news crew has an accent. <laughs> They're speaking American English with an accent. So right away you know something. And it's a Russian accent? Yeah. And they're in Russia? So right away you know something's hanky. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so they, they seem really upset that... Um, Right, it's clearly, it, well, Gary Oldman is the main person in this crew, and it's, he's clearly acting sinister. Yeah, which is weird, because if I'm not mistaken, there's, like, a Secret Service agent who is collaborating with them. And the Secret Service agent they talk to, um, he's like, we gotta scan your gear to make sure you're not vicious terrorists with accents. Um, and Gary Oldman's like, well, we were just already checked back there. And the guy was just like, whoa, 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 we're going to check you again. But I'm pretty sure the guy who says that is the guy who's collaborating with them. Oh, I don't remember. So I don't know why they externalized that in that way. Like, the whole it thing like... with the guy that was collaborating with them seemed like, like, couldn't really tell what his yeah. agenda was. He was sort of like not so, helping. I might helping. need to rewatch that to make sure I'm right. But like, it seems like if they were alone just on the tarmac, they would have been like, this is so exciting. It's finally happening. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to do the plot. There was more than one. Oh, maybe. Like he might yeah. have just been like putting on a show yeah. for his, a co- his coworker. So they do like a, a, some sort of biometric and, and Gary Oldman passes. Um, and so, yeah, then we're off. Then, uh, so then we see Harrison Ford come on, and then we were introduced to his family dynamic. Julia, take it. This is, <laughs> so uh, this is a sticky has, topic. I'm going to make you handle it. He has a 12-year-old daughter and a wife that are on the plane with him for some reason. Um, it's stated that she's 12? Yes. And I looked it up. The actor is actually 12. Gross. <laughs> so. Not her. God bless you. <laughs> like, uh, no. Seth hates 12-year-olds, as it's no. long established in how this their t- scene plays out. Anyway, so the, the cute introduction of, um, like, Harrison Ford being a cute dad is that the uh, the kid comes up and um, starts kind of teasing him, uh, like he's, like, kind of asleep, and she jumps on him, and he, like, tickles her, and it's, like, cute, cute father-daughter roughhousing, except... It just yeah, feels shoot. very sexual between them. I was immediately made uncomfortable by, like, how physical it was. It was kind of like when, and no judgment, but, like, if you've ever had seen, like, an adult child kiss their parents on the lips? Yeah. I mean, it, was, it had that vibe, too. No, 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 where I mean, you're sort of like, I guess they're not breaking any laws. Like, I'm not going to call anybody, but... Um, I mean, it was clearly supposed to be. Like, the filmmaker was... Or whoever everyone in the room was being like let's make a really cute charming scene of a dad and his daughter being cute yeah. and and you know like but like then, a loving family scene uh, but it just like it was just like i don't know it was weirdly physical it came off weird but also so that got us a little off balance where we're kind of like okay i guess everything is fine it was kind of like when you are going on a double date and like someone snaps at their spouse in front of you, uh, where you're kind of like, I <laughs> guess that was normal. Like, well, we can make a couple jokes about it. But then after that, like, she is alone with Harrison Ford, arguing that she, he 
treats her too young, doesn't doesn't like give yeah. her enough credit. She's like, if I if it was the Middle Ages, I would be having kids by now. Yeah, it's like you brought it up. Yeah, absolutely. So it's like, so you guys are sexualizing this in a weird way. Like it was, it was just weird. It never really comes up again, and it's also like. Not only was it weird there, the balance of it weird there, but it never really comes up about him not trusting her. Like, no, that was not. I thought that was going to be the whole thing that, like, then she was going to have to, like, in True Lies, yeah, where like then she has to do the clutch thing at the end to prove that she is exactly like there had to be like for them to plant that seed. It was really weird. A just kind of the physicality of it we noticed was weird. (laughs) The um pregnancy the middle age pregnancy projections was were super weird and then it never comes up like there's never like you gotta take this detonator to the tail I know you can do it you yeah, know it yeah. was no I mean I think it was I think it was supposed to be just to um, like let's give Harrison Ford a really strong family scene at the beginning so that we know how much his family means to him and they just kind of handled it in a kind of toned up way yeah. or like it just wasn't realistic but yeah so then um, the um, so pretty right away terrorist yeah over. I'm pretty sure the press whoever I think it's the press secretary starts giving Gary Oldman a tour of the the, of the, the, plane. Of the plane and she does a lot of great um, subtle exposition things like by the way, the plane is bulletproof, and yeah. by the way, you can control everything from up here, including starting a war if you wanted to. Yeah, and just trying to, like, there's also a weird moment, too, where it's sort of, like, just the point of view of, like, these guys are posing as Russian journalists, um, and so they're talking with, like, their accents, and the other, <laughs> I'm not, uh, this is a choice, this is a choice that the movie made, um, <laughs> So they're talking with accents, and then the other people in the press corps are like, we they're in shot, and like the like the, they're in the foreground, and then uh, Gary Oldman and his crew are in the background. They're just talking to each other with accents, and one of the, one of the other journalists with an American accent says, "There goes the neighborhood." Oh, I missed that. Right, so it's like, oh, that's so the xenophobia. Upsetting. Yeah, so the xenophobia is there. I don't know what dimension it's having in the movie. Um... Yeah, is that just, I guess, is that just supposed to be, like, America hates Russia? I think, oh, now, just trying to think of, like, nuts and bolts, what the movie needed to say is sort of like the, um, or the movie was trying to say. It's like, it's like William Gath has that distinction, like, meaning versus significance. So, um, the meaning is that they're trying to establish that the other journalists on the plane don't recognize this crew. Oh, yeah, like, the subtext is, this is a brand new yeah the significance is <laughs> xenophobia xenophobia that yeah. like uh, people with accents rut row uh so also give a give a meaning for significance example oh so yeah uh, the the classic example that gas uses is um the meaning of the garden of eden story is um don't disobey god so the the purpose of the garden like of the, on the surface yeah what what it is saying it's like intention versus like um like, I might mean to compliment someone, but the way I do it might show that I actually have a problem with gender or, you know, something like I might accidentally reveal something about myself that I'm not meaning to reveal. So the meaning of the Garden of Eden story is don't disobey God because the, the they eat from the tree of knowledge and they are punished. The significance is because of the way those events unfold is what the story is actually trying to tell you is don't trust your wife. Um... Where were we? Uh, 
there goes the neighborhood. They're, these reporters have an accent. They're being give. They're being given a tour of the plane, um, and so they're being shown around, and that kind of that doesn't really go anywhere. I don't know why I stopped on that, but I thought that was the xenophobia thing interested me a little bit. Yeah, I know that was. I did, and I didn't even hear that, so that was interesting. So yeah, so then we have um, Harrison Ford with his family. Um, what then? Things, yeah, you're right. After that, things yeah, go belly up pretty quick. Pretty. That's the basically the first thing that happens on the plane is that like there's like a secret service agent who is bad, who's, who's who's helping them, who's yeah helping the Gary Oldman team, who just kills a bunch of people and lets Gary Oldman and his compatriots take over the whole plane. Basically, yeah. yeah. So there is there's a good set piece where um uh they are they first take over the plane and so the the pilots are hell bent on landing the plane, so Gary Oldman blows the door off the hinges and kills one of the pilots. The co-pilot still tries to land the plane. Um, and then there's kind of a a very odd but powerful set piece where they um are just. Just joyriding Air Force One around the tarmac, getting was, it back yeah, into the that air. That was great. Also, before that happens, um, as soon as something starts to, as soon as like shots are fired, basically, like the Secret Service people just like rush Harrison Ford down to the escape pod and oh, like yeah. force him into the escape pod, and he's saying like, "No, no, I don't want to leave without my family." And there's some sort of scuffle um, that happens right before he gets in, and spoiler alert, he doesn't get in because he he stays aboard to save his family, but everyone else thinks that he got in and escaped. Yeah, they try to play it for suspense, even though, like, they try to play it for suspense in terms of us not knowing whether he got in, and they kind of shoot the discovery of the pod that happens later. Like, we don't know that he's not going to be in it, but, yeah, like... Yeah, I mean, it's, it's technically, like, they don't show him not getting in, but it's very clear that he wasn't going to get in. But, like, anyone... Speaking as someone who, in 1997, willingly entered a movie theater to see this, it's sort of like we did so, having seen the trailer, knowing that Harrison Ford is... Gonna be on the plane. Running around cold cocking people. Yeah. Like, uh, so... Yeah. So it's... It's one of those things where it's like, it's suspense that, like, I, I, I understand from internally, like, if I were seeing this, but even, well, I guess even with pop culture knowledge, seeing this, it's sort of like, well, it's not a movie if Harrison Ford is on the ground. You right. Know? It's very clear that he would not... And it's also, like, he's making it clear in the whole time they're pushing him into the capsule. He's like, I will not get on this because I'm going to stay and save my family. Yeah, so it felt like a little bit, like, wasted energy of them playing it. I like, it's like when they could have actually, I think, energy would have been better spent having more fun with everyone else not knowing he's on the plane. Like, the the um, the um scenes in, like, the, the makeshift situation room in the White House... And people on the plane not knowing where he is. Um, I think that those were more effective. And we just should have known that he was there the entire time. And just shown him in those moments hiding and stuff like that. Um, so that felt like wasted energy. Um, Gary Oldman. Uh, first impressions of Gary Oldman as a bad guy. I thought he did a good job. Yeah, I mean, I'm always like... I, I'm always surprised to hear people who you know are from one country speaking in another country's accent because you're just like why didn't you just hire an actor Russian actors, from that yeah. country like that would have been better it does feel like like i guess representation just wasn't that much of a conversation but like yeah just hire fine like it's just like that could have been a fun breakout role and it's just like gary oldman's a great actor is anyone going to see air force one because gary oldman you know it's <laughs> right. kind of like is he that big of a draw and like we've established this is a l very similar to Die Hard so he's basically being 
Hans Gruber here. Yeah. Like, kind of like, uh, these diehard likes uh, <laughs> are, um, um, they ha- you have to have a bad guy with an accent. Like, that's sort of like... <laughs> it seems to be always, they have to be doing an accent that is not their natural accent. Yeah, it's so like... So far, we're three for three on that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they have to have an accent. And, and it can't be their accent. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, that's amazing. It's, yeah. So Gary Oldman's furious. Um, and that's the thing, dude. Gary Oldman's uh, almost too good of an actor for this movie where it's like, I didn't think he was doing a good job so much as I thought that Gary Oldman in real life had convinced himself to hate this president. Like, <laughs> one thing I do want to say is, so the the whole, the whole action scene where... Um, they just drive around like drunk teenagers in the Air Force One. <laughs> He's like, like doing wheelies yeah. in a big plane. And just like Humvees are everywhere and people with machine guns. And I was watching them like almost like crash into like towers and stuff. And I was just like wondering like, would this even be on the news now? <laughs> like this happened with the Air Force One. <laughs> no, but I did love, I, I love the part. Uh, so it's like Gary Oldman in the cockpit threatening the uh, pilots and the pilots are landing the plane um and uh like we're like 15 minutes into the movie here and they're like really close to the landing strip and i was like oh my god are they gonna do it yeah. are they gonna just land the plane right now and the movie's gonna end like and i was pulling for it too i was like this i hope they i hope they get there. that's an amazing that. that's an amazing energy to describe because i have that same thing in thrillers like that where in the i think it like the end of the inciting incident, or in the middle of the inciting incident, there's sometimes like a, an option that would end the movie. It's like, oh, we'd all just go home right now, and it would all be happy. And I'm like, I'm like, not even having liked Air Force One the first time I saw it, I was like frustrated walking away. It's like, if they just landed it. <laughs> you know? But We're it's, so close. But it's weird. It's sort of like, yeah, what else would happen? Like, why do we want thrillers to end? It's kind of like when I read a book, and I'm kind of like... How many pages is this? <laughs> like, you know, it's like I should be up. doing this because I enjoy it. Like, uh, and I'm talking it up too. Like, it was a really good dramatic well scene, scene in that yeah. you were like, you were so pulling for like the heroes of the scene that you you thought they might actually get away with it. That's a great point. I think like there's just, it was a very physical thing of being like the wheels are on the ground. It has like this yeah, very, they got the wheels on the ground. Yeah. it has this very like kind of like. Hitchcockian physical simplicity of the whole thing of being like it's just like this. if we could yeah. just get the plane to touch the ground yeah. it would be fine or you're in a field where you're gonna hide you know like that kind of thing <laughs> where it's sort of like it's a very simple thing so that makes it fun um, so after the um, they just kind of like go kart it with the Air Force One at this airport we get a glimpse of the kind of situation room and like it's not i don't think it's actually a situation room it just like a kind of like a boardroom in the west wing i mean you say that as if you know what the actual situation room looks like oh i'm sorry <laughs> i didn't know that you that you didn't realize that i've almost watched every single episode of west wing <laughs> so the sets they were using on west wing were probably the same as the sets but it was like a, it was like a windowed conference room in the middle of the west wing where the situation room is like closed off walls that are like I'll go I'll withdraw for now but I think it looked more like a conference room in the West Wing I mean just if there were ever to be a situation that's a pretty big situation you know it was you, like you think they would be in the situation room yeah no I mean maybe you're right or maybe like I don't know that's another thing I want to say is there might have been just like a I'm basically design. just compare it yeah no you're right I'm basically I don't know anything about anything I just watched like, like <laughs> the West Wing seven out of eight seasons of the West Wing or, or, or however many but um 
the other thing I want to say is, like, based on all depictions of Air Force One in West Wing and this movie and in other movies, the fun thing, it's like Air Force One. Like, oh my god. Yeah, but I mentioned to you, it's like garbage. It's just like, <laughs> when you go to, like, a Marriott Plus in the middle of nowhere, it's like the business center with a big computer in it. You're just sort of like... That's the thing about corporate... It looks terrible. It does look terrible. That's the thing about corporate design is that there's there can't be a point of view behind it because they have it has to by definition be mediocre. Yeah, it has to yeah. not be offensive or taking any stakes or trying anything new. Yeah, so it's just like down the middle boring. Every single seat looks like the most farted in recliner you've ever seen <laughs> in your entire life. It's just the worst. So they're in a room that I'm not going to pretend to know where it is. I mean, there's was... a situation going on. And they're in a room discussing it? You're it right. might not be the yeah. situation room. It might be a situation You're room. absolutely right. I think after this all happens, they're going to be like, you know what? <laughs> Let's call this another a situ- another situation room. So anyway, but we get a glimpse of um, the, the team, and we see that the vice president is Glenn Close. Which is And first of all, we're just... Great. Uh, our first reaction was like, good for you, 1997. This My first reaction was, what role could Glenn Close possibly be playing? Yeah, is she like, what are the low-ranking administrative roles in the White which House? Which you could say that as as a woman, you just know what is set out for you. <laughs> you yeah, know, like, yeah. I, I, it didn't even occur to me that that was a possibility for yeah. a movie set in 1997. So the, um, the vague bow toward gender equality that this movie went to was so superficial that you it bounced off of you. I was yeah. just like, why are all these people talking to her as if she's in charge? <laughs> But Which, uh, good for yeah, good for everyone. And Club. my first thing, like my uh, cisgendered heterosexual male um, reaction was just like, "Good for you, nineteen ninety seven. Like we did it. Like you know, <laughs> in the arts, we always knew." Um, but then the movie for the, the next twenty minutes after that fact is introduced, like does everything it can to walk that back. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of just people like asking her about her blouses. Yeah, Gary Oldman. Even though English is a second language, seems to know that uh, you know addressing. <laughs> he is very dis- he is very familiar with the distinction between blouse and shirt. Yeah, he's like, "How's your silk blouse?" And it's sort of like you, like, uh, it's like yeah. on me. Yeah, <laughs> well, I, don't, I don't know what else. What other information could there possibly be to provide? Yeah, then he circles back and does it again. It's sort of like okay, so he wants like every blouse updates on the hour. <laughs> he's going to start kicking people out of this plane. Um, so that was that, and then like the. Um, so then Gary Oldman goes to make good on his his threat to start killing hostages. And the National Security Advisor is sort of like, she's just a vice president. She can't do anything. She needs to talk to people like me. To even, like, book a flight. Oh, yeah. Like, she can't get tickets to Banana Ram or whatever. Like, uh, <laughs> but, um... So, and then... Which uh, we pointed out was him him just playing basically exactly the role that the cokehead guy in Die Hard is doing. Absolutely. Where he's like, don't listen, don't talk to them, talk to me, I'm the real power. Yeah, and then there's only one way that path goes, you get shot in the head. You get shot in the head right yeah. away. So it's like, uh, sexist guy one, shoot sexist guy two, so it's like, I don't know, is that a win? I, we have one less sexist. Lesson is, don't do drugs, kids. <laughs> yeah, well those guys seem like uh, also a nerd. They, like, <laughs> at least the cokehead uh, seems like, you know, uh, like a cool... Like, like he does a lot of drugs? <laughs> Yeah, but he seems like he can get you. So at least he had that. You know, he had those times. He seems like the guy. I'm not saying he's cool. He seems like a douchebag, but he seems like he'd get you into a nice restaurant and like you know and like do that weird thing where when you're drinking with an alpha 
dude where they're drunk enough to just decide that they like you because you're in front of them and then you're on their team and then it's all like this weird all scary aggression while they act out their personality at you oh welcome to being a woman <laughs> that's all it is all the time <laughs> i was raised by women so i have a lot of the same social moves yeah, yeah. um but um so he was, like, cool in that way, where it's sort of like, I might get five to six free drinks before pretending to go to the bathroom and running out of there. This, I might be. Yeah, I was going to yeah, say, yeah. I have literally done that yeah. on a number of occasions. I don't know. I don't think it's a... I think that it might be the only way to deal with finance people. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's all they respect. Yeah, absolutely. Whereas this guy, this NSA guy, seems like he's just getting wedgies at, at Olive Garden <laughs> from the server. You know? Like, being like I, I know this is tit-based mostly, but like... Uh, <laughs> I'm done with you. So he was a nerd. He got shot in the head. Don't worry. A lot of people get shot in the head during this movie. Yeah. It was like, surprisingly, I had to give this movie hats off to this movie because um, I, my memory of it was being kind of completely toothless and stupid. A yeah. Lot a, lot of, a lot of nice, innocent people get shot right away. Yeah. In really sadistic and weird ways. So um, it was, um, I mean, they didn't like, they weren't, it wasn't like Tarantino. Like they didn't no, show it. No. And like every time they didn't show it, I was just like, I was like, genuinely uncomfortable and they wouldn't show it and I would be relieved that they didn't show and it. And you'd be like, oh, she's okay. No. <laughs> well, sweetie, she's dead. And I was like, oh, they just didn't show because they're cowards. But, um, <laughs> but they're just exploiting violence. They don't actually want to show it or investigate um, it. I'm going to look up what the rating was on this movie right now. Um, I guess it's PG-13 because violence, like, violence doesn't get rated that hard. It's just sort of like if anyone... like. But eh. I'm wondering if that's like why they cut away from the people being shot. In the but place. if anyone was just like, gee, I like sex, they'd be like NC-17. <laughs> But just meaning, like, maybe they had to tone back on the violence some. Oh, it is rated R. It's rated R. Why is it rated R? No, That's I'm crazy. Like, if it, I owe them an apology. I guess no, the violence I, does get rated. I like, was yeah. surprised. I mean, I was thinking, I, I would have thought there would have been more violence with it being rated R. Anyway, so just the, just, uh, what's his face, trying to negotiate with the White House. Um, yeah. What? While he thinks that, um... Gary Oldman thinks that uh, the president has escaped because the escape pod has been released. Yeah. So he's really focusing on the mother-daughter. Yeah, like he's going yeah. he's going to use them for yeah. leverage and like try to negotiate with them. But meanwhile, Harrison Ford is, is just straight up eagle scouting it in the yeah. Straight up uh, John McClaning it. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. And um so yeah, so he's running around, he gets a cell phone. A very early cell phone. There's a great, there's a very <laughs> endearing shot of him just reading the manual to the cell phone. Yeah, he pulls the cell phone out of the luggage and then he pulls the manual out and opens it. And it's like, uh-oh, this, this yeah. is going to be a while, you guys. And it I, might have yeah. even been like a satellite phone for what they were it doing. It might have been, yeah. yeah. No, that's that's fair, actually. Um, and also, yeah, 1997. It's pretty early. Mm-hmm. That's pretty early for phones. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Probably weren't razors yet. Yeah, so he, um, so he calls, it's kind of a, um, again, kind of a, um, a double or a, an imitation from Die Hard where he um, gets his cell phone working, tries to call through a switchboard, tries to call the vice president through the switchboard, and it kind of has the same thing that John McClane goes through using the yeah, but police. The yeah, switchboard operator is like, who is this? And he's like, I'm the president. And they're like, uh-huh, and yeah. I'm the first lady. Um, with Die Hard, it doesn't work, and he has to do a different thing to get him to listen to them. Absolutely. So like, yeah, so it just kind of works. Where... With this movement, they were just like, well, and then I guess it works. So he's on a satellite phone. He he gets through, but as he gets through, terrorist finds him. <gasps> no. As he gets through, a terrorist finds him, and um, so then he starts to do something clever, uh, where he puts the phone in his pocket and he he starts to he pretends that he's reassuring the terrorist who is just. 
the entire time is like, please stop talking to me. Like, uh, <laughs> he's just is prattling. But he but tells... He's secretly giving instructions to the people down yeah. below. In the situation room. In a room containing people dealing with a situation. <laughs> and so, um, he, uh, he tells them that the, um, the kind of, like, the, the countermeasures built into Air Force One... If there were to fire a rocket at the uh, at Air Force One, it would maneuver and strafe to the point where all they would have to like the only thing that would happen is that everyone would be knocked over from the force of the rocket exploding. Um, so then um, everyone in the Situation Room quotes around that because I'm not or an asterisk after it. Quote. Let's do quotes around Situation Room and then an asterisk <laughs> inside the quotes. Um, and then at the bottom of the page, the asterisk says, Seth isn't sure if this is the situation room yeah. or just the, the room in which these actors are currently handling a situation. And that's in like an inserted comment in track changes. <laughs> um, so um, they're all, which is like, you know, they're doing their best. But, you know, there's a strong energy of just kind of like kids describing sex to each other uh, as they try, try to figure out the situation where it's like, well, I heard from my dad that, like, <laughs> the guy's penis flies off and hits you in the head. Um, that kind of thing. Go on. <laughs> the strong energy of that. Even though uh, Hal from Quantum Leap is in it and he's amazing. He's great. Yeah. he. he, he, he I thought he was talking to um, Scott Bakula the whole time. Oh, I kept waiting for Glenn Close to, like, see herself in a mirror and be Scott Bakula. Scott Bakula. Scott, no, let's just say it. Scott Belkula. Uh, <laughs> and be like, why haven't I leaped yet? But he just, like, uh, that actor, I don't know why he, he's one of these actors where I don't know why he wasn't in everything. Because, like, just, like, the the 30 seconds we get of him looking concerned are just, like, blow my mind. Uh, he's great. Um, so, yeah, so they realize that he's giving a direct order to fire a missile at the plane. We, we get these um, fighter pilots shooting a missile at the plane. Did sure. You, did you like that part? Sure. I mean, no. I don't know. That part seemed pretty like... As soon as he said it, it was like, oh, well, they're going to do that. And that is going to allow Harrison Ford to get the upper hand and that will be the end of the scene. And that is exactly how it played out. So it was yeah, kind of just fun. like waiting for it to be over. But I I think it was... the I think like the zone this movie was trafficking in was sort of like, what if a fighter pilot had to shoot a uh, missile at the plane. At the attic, yeah. of course, one. The, the plane is supposed to be protecting! It's like the West Wing for people um, who don't want to watch the West Wing. Like, where it's sort of like, well, what if you shoot Air Force One with a missile? Or where it's sort of like, we're... And to be fair, like, West Wing was sort of like, what if the president's daughter got kidnapped? Like, they weren't too far off, you yeah. know? Um, so, it was a, just a little bit more, like, a little bit more, like, Fast and Furious. West Wing. <laughs> yeah. Fast and Furious in the sky. Yeah, two west, two wings. There's two wings on a plane. Oh my oh god! Oh my god! So Do you yeah. Think? So um. <laughs> anyway, so they shoot a missile at the plane. <laughs> Harrison Ford gets the upper hand briefly. You know, it's gonna be cat and mousing it the whole the whole time. Um, and maybe blacked out for this part of the movie. I was gonna say I don't think anything really important happens for a while. It's just it's just standard standoff stuff where like mm -hmm. Gary Oldman is on the phone with Glenn Close, who's the vice president. He's being like, you have to give me this. And she's like, I'm not going to give you that. And he's like, but you have to. And they shoot someone. And she's like, all right, we'll yeah. see what we can do. All the meanwhile, Harrison Ford is like, got this phone, but the battery's starting to die. And he's like trying to do some stuff. Yeah. I think, I oh, eventually... yeah. So he, and also we should, we, I think we learned by now that Gary Oldman is trying to get like a general, his general leader guy out of prison. 
which I also did not follow at all who that guy was or what his relation to Gary Oldman was or why it was important to anyone that that yeah. happened. So Harrison Ford's plan, though, you're right, is he has decided he's going to mess with the fuel lines to get dump fuel um, so, so they to have force to land. them to land. Yeah. Um, and he's, he's someone on the phone is talking him through how to do it and they're like cut the green wire and it cuts the green wire and then they're like and now and then the phone goes dead and uh they're like oh yeah previously they had been like careful if you cut any of the other wires the whole plane will blow up immediately or something um <laughs> yeah and so the so the phone dies right before he gets told what the other wire uh to pa- whatever to uh, connect the cut wire to is and he just randomly guesses which seems irresponsible not even randomly he decides not to cut the ones that are red white and blue <laughs> yeah that's right there's like a red a white a blue and a yellow and he's like gotta go with the red white and blue cuts the yellow yeah like, that's not how the plane designers were thinking of this like yeah. you're reading too much into the situation right now you're risking everyone's life on board which at, at this point in history i'll tell you how that flourish of patriotism affected me i went and poured myself a full glass of whiskey and stood out on the porch and stared at the stars <laughs> and sipped it and shook my head no um but no so that was dumb which also at this point another reason why the guy from quantum leap who i think is a phenomenal actor despite me never learning his name um he is the only responsible official this entire movie he's trying to get glenn close to sign a document basically the 25th amendment that the president is not fit to serve which his wife and daughter are hostage he's not fit to serve he can't make decisions for the country so who elected red white and blue guy that day you know uh you know you hear what i'm saying <laughs> um yeah the only part what? true part of that anecdote was the glass of whiskey but um, <laughs> no i'm not yeah i'm not sure how those two anecdotes are connected the um i think that's a terribly irresponsible thing for him to do so you're just saying everyone like He's not in a position to be making important decisions. He decided to risk everyone's lives based on the fact that the wires were the color of the flag, you know? Yeah. But you're just saying that, like, and then Hal was, and then everyone else except for Hal was similarly being irresponsible when they tried to... When they're trying to keep the president in play and keep the president president. Although I guess everyone else did sign, everyone else did sign the form. It's just Glenn Close oh. that wouldn't sign. Oh, yeah, so just Jen, Glenn so Close. Is just, there, yeah. just Glenn Close said their support are being possible today. Well, I, probably that blouse is tripping around. But no, uh... <laughs> Uh, no, well, that, that but, you, but you know, everyone was clearly rooting for the president in him being the president. We're sort of like, I don't think that when you're a hostage, you get to be the president. That's my rule. That's what I'm going to run on in November. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Um, so, the- oh, also like, I misspoke while we were watching this movie and this is now my new policy and everything is I do not negotiate with hostages. <laughs> Because they do not have anything I want. They can't. Why would it doesn't make sense? Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um. So that backfires, and uh, they're like, "Well, I won't land the plane. I'll just refuel it," which seems like an obvious thing that would have happened. Where, That's like, what I was thinking. Like, why did he do that in the first place? I they would it, just refuel it. Yeah, I, I think that technology has been around for a while, but I think that was maybe less widely known back then that you could refuel a plane mid-flight but um but yeah that's exactly where gary oldman goes to um and so they refuel a plane mid-flight but they were like but they're like we'll get our we'll be tricky and we'll say 
uh, we'll make the uh, refueling planes tell them to drop to low enough altitude, tech, yeah. like quote unquote, for the refueling. But it will really um, make the plane be low enough to where people could start parachuting out of it. Yeah. So they at this point they don't know they still don't know that the president is on board the plane. They think that it's a, a rogue Secret Service person. Yeah. And Harrison Ford has gotten to the hostages now and has like been started starting to sneak some of them down into the yeah so he breaks into the room with all the hostages and william h macy who's in this movie william h macy yeah i mean this is like it's great but it's kind of one of those things where it's like it's like when you see like this happened a lot in the 90s where it's like andy richter would be in a comedy and you'd be like oh andy richter's in this and he's hilarious i love andy richter and they give him nothing funny to do the <laughs> yeah. entire time where you're sort yeah, of like he's Whoa. just like you know He's just a random some, some guy. He could have literally been anyone, but he, he doesn't do anything really, or he doesn't get to say anything. He does his best, but yeah. So William H Macy comes. He's up. a comforting presence. Yeah, it's great. Uh, no, I was glad to have spent that time with William H Macy. Um, but he um, he's there, and he comes up with a plan where it's sort of like if they like they um, they're like you're on board, and Harrison Ford admits like, hey, I tried to do this, and that didn't work. And William H. Macy's like, if you can get it to, if you can get this message to people. Oh, this is setting up to one of our big debates that we had in this <laughs> movie. Um, yes, they're in the whole room of the hostages. They're being like, we need to get a message to them. How do we do that? Yeah, so it's like, if you can get this message to, to drop to 15,000 feet, there's a bunch of parachutes. We can get people out by parachuting. Um, but then they, it's like, I had this phone, but it died because his phone died. Cause he was just running this battery like an a-hole. Um, and yeah. Probably on all these apps. Yeah, but he stole that phone. He didn't look to see if there's like an AC adapter. Um, <laughs> it's like a. He did read the manual. That's true. Yeah. Because so. he didn't get that far. But um, <laughs> so then uh, a lady. Um, I don't know why I said lady like that. But um, uh, a person. Okay, uh, yeah. So young a young lady comes up with a great suggestion. Yeah, she's of. she points out they they've cut the phone line, so they can't use the phones. But she's just like, but the fax machine because this is again the nineteen nineties. There was a technology called fax that I used as recently as two thousand eleven. Um, <laughs> where um, <laughs> yeah, we had to at MPG. Yeah, absolutely. Descending. That's the only time I've ever used a fax in my entire life, and we had yeah. to do it constantly. We met working in scientific publishing, and uh, we're still using a fax and. They made us, and they made and like no one else, no, no, none of our bosses knew how to fax things. So they would just be like, yeah. "Hey, fax this for me." We'd be like, "How?" They'd be like, "I don't know. Figure it out." Yeah, frequently for all the young people listening to this, what will happen is you'll get a job, and the company will be run by people who haven't died yet, um, and so they will insist on using technology that was new when they were your age. <laughs> we'll cut all that, but um, but anyway, so fax machines. So she points out that the fax machines are encrypted on a whole different line. Um, so there's a very uh, tense and exciting scene in which there's like um, a young woman and Harrison Ford, the president, and they are running to the fax machine together and like evading bullets and they uh, put the fax thing in. They're waiting to see if it goes and then it goes and they're so excited that Harrison Ford kisses her on the cheek. Okay. So I, I do want to give this scene credit. It is exciting. They both stare at the, uh, and it is like, it's a great, again, I think this, um, get this director. I didn't realize his, he, he did dust boat, like, um, dust boat, dust boat. I thought you said dust boat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> dust boat. That, yeah. It's like, the uh, whole, yeah. Yeah. It's one of the greatest thrillers ever made. Um, so it does like, I think these moments, these thriller moments where it's very physical. The suspense is yeah. Palpable. So when you see that this old dusty fax machine just suck in this piece of paper, you're just like ah, and like it's like, like, yeah. so here's where Julie and I just got into like a shouting match during the movie is um, Harrison <laughs> a very Ford very polite mild disagreement. Grab oh, it was just like I wish you had been there. She 
she gets scared. <laughs> she, uh, Harrison grabs this young woman and kisses her on the face and runs out. Also, before that, when he, he, he tells her, um, when she first comes up with the idea, he points to her and he goes, you get to be Postmaster General. He goes, if this works, you get to be Postmaster General. Which is sort of like, is that a good job? Like, I don't know. It's like, what is her current job? Yeah. What is the relation in between her current job and this job? Is that... Yeah, just the rhythm of the scene, I expected a, like a strong no thank you. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, so he kisses her on the cheek and I pointed out that like... That's not cool. You're the president of the United I States. I how you like, phrased it was like, oh, his job is over. <laughs> it, sh- it should be over. My, my thing was like, as soon as this Air Force One situation is over, we need to deal with the fact that he grabbed a woman's head and kissed her face. That's not okay. I mean, I agree with you absolutely in the principle. I think it was clear in the moment of the scene, in this very tense life or death situation, and an improbable thing worked, and they were both like, huzzah, and uh, like, yeah. embraced. I think the scene would have worked better because of the power imbalance if she had grabbed his face and kissed him. I mean, that would wouldn't be that right. be so much cuter? That would have been. That yeah. would have been better. I'm not saying it's the perfect. Yeah. I'm not saying it's. The most and I didn't actually mean to be heavy, world. but it, it's kind of like it's what what we're talking about recently. We're sort of like just people like stepping into each other's personal space during COVID. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> even if it's a, something filmed from like 1982, I'm just like careful. <laughs> Uh, where it's sort of like him just grabbing a young, young woman's head and kissing her. It, that just seemed to me like it, I had a, a stronger COVID response to being like, you're not president of her head. Like, no, get- and I mean, I, I'm 100% in agreement that that is not the normal way that things that should be done. And I think that's normally terrible. I think in this specific scene, it was made clear in this one interaction that that yeah. was a charming. And I think you're right. Like, story anecdote. should thrive in the specific. Like, where it's sort of like, it is this one moment, this is like a spontaneous thing, like maybe they, they have a rapport, whatever, but I'm just, my gut reaction as an image was I didn't like it. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but that's funny. And but, that's good. That's, I mean, that's good that that is, is a gut reaction because that definitely would not have been registered with anybody in 1997. Yeah. And, but no, but Julia was furious. She was like, I'm getting on the phone, I'm gonna make you kiss the Postmaster General tonight. And I was like, <laughs> I don't want to. Anyway, um, so yeah, so the parachuting thing works to a certain degree. <laughs> <laughs> so like as they're several do- people parachute, yeah, several people. As they're doing it, it's kind of like imagine you were peeing, and then someone, a terrorist, runs in and starts firing bullets at you. But instead of peeing, what you're doing is you're shooting hostages at the back of a plane. <laughs> so you can see it's worse. It's worse than that. <laughs> so anyway, there's like, kind of like one of the grimmest scenes where it's, I get, where it's like, I guess I'm glad that this is rated R, where um, yeah. in the confusion, several people without parachutes are thrown out of the cargo bay. Well, of the yeah, and the, the setup is they're in a cargo bay, like, um, and there's like a door shut behind them, and there's just people like jumping out in an orderly fashion, holding onto parachutes, and then the bad guy comes up and like is trying to get in, but like the door to the cargo bay is sealed, so he uses an explosion, blows open the door, in the explosion, like, the resulting whatever happens with pressure, um, just sucks everybody out of the cargo bay, and, like, some of them were wearing parachutes, a lot of them were yeah. not. We do get a comforting shot of the, the lady who was kissed against her will, um, being very safe, uh... Just smiling, like, just yeah, pleasantly. Being, being like, I hope I land on a sexual harassment, uh, attorney, <laughs> but, um... 
But the thing we point out too is sort of like, even the people in the parachutes is like we have no clue where these people are right now. Yeah, they're somewhere in between Russia and Kazakhstan as this is happening, and it's like I hope that they land nearby a city, or else they're yeah, just like wandering just the wilderness in the middle of nowhere with their dicks in their hands. Um, so <laughs> yeah, specifically that confuses all get out but um so so yeah from there things get even air force one year uh, <laughs> i don't even remember what happens at that, at that point yeah well i think at this point they start to figure out that it's the president i don't know how they do it maybe he's leaving like little seals everywhere but, like, <laughs> <laughs> like, that's just calling just, just, His calling card is just the, the U.S. seal like pinned to the lapel of the terrorist that he kills. That would be good. That would be how I would do this. Which would, But no, I think, um, I don't know, it doesn't really I matter, mean, I guess. It doesn't. I don't think anything really real happens until um, basically the um, bad guy, has, Gary Oldman, has, has the president's wife and daughter, you know, yeah, well, he's held them captive. The whole time, but I think he... Um, but then we come back, like Harrison Ford comes back. To meet them, to like see them all, and then they're all yeah. Together, yeah. The next scene I remember, I don't remember the connective tissue here, and um, I'm sure it doesn't matter. I am confident it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, so it gets to be where Harrison Ford is tied up, and there's a very again a very sadistic scene where um, he makes Harrison Ford choose between. Well, his... he says he's going to make Harrison Ford choose between his wife and child versus uh, about who lives. But, like, it's never even, like, Harrison Ford just doesn't say anything and it doesn't yeah. get pressed. And we, like, this is our system. It's, like, when we have a kid, it's sort of, like, it's just, like, you take the kid. It's like, like, obviously. Yeah, like, that, yeah. that didn't even register to me as a tense scene. Because that's, that's clearly an obvious, like, if it were to come to that, that would be an obvious choice. Yeah. Like, the, yeah, like no, he was trying to be, like, I'm not even going to answer that question. Yes. Because it's not coming to that. Yeah. And so then the, um, but basically he, he basically uses... Harrison Ford's family to coerce Harrison Ford into calling and setting the general free. Right. And so this is like a, uh, a poignant moment for uh, Gary Oldman's character. He plays a, um, just this, I don't know how they got this feed, but it's just all the Russian prisoners singing kind of like a, a Russian patriotic song as this general set free. And he's just playing it over like the loudspeaker system on the plane. So it's like Which floating was, through everything. Honestly, like, one of the more, like, more affecting than all the American patriotic... Like, it was, yeah, it was touching. Yeah, so he celebrates with his comrades. Meanwhile, this sneaky president, um, <laughs> he has a shard of glass that he's cutting what looks like Air Force One branded tape. It, well, I think it's definitely Air Force One branded glass. There's, oh, like, yeah. a, there's like a part of a seal on it. Yeah, so the branding is on point. There's also a weird point where he's, uh, much earlier, where Harrison Ford's walking through the hold of Harrison Force One, and he just walks through a shelf that has just, like, boxes of Bud Light and, like, uh, and bounty paper towels, where we were just kind of like, that's where you hang out. Like, Dude, it's, you're set. Sit this one out. And it's like, if you sp drink a bunch of beers, if you spill one, you're, it's you got that bounty. Yeah. Uh, uh, this episode is brought to you by Bud Light and Bounty. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, so um, then... Harrison Ford uses that glass to cut his tape and he wrestles and he shoots and he fights. There's a fight and he shoots one guy and he shoots another guy and yeah. he doesn't shoot Gary Oldman, I don't think. No, Gary Oldman gets out of there. He falls down a flight of stairs with his, with Harrison Ford's, with, well, with the first lady. Um, <laughs> I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna designate her by her 
uh, her patriarchal marriage role. I'm going to I'm going to designate her by the patriarchal official <laughs> position in our American yeah, government. Her, yeah, yeah, her patriarchal marriage role official title. Oh. Um, yeah, so anyway, so they fall down the flight of stairs. And it's one of those things, too, is, like, as I get older, seeing people fall down this flight of stairs, I was like, they're done. Like, that's, like... That's it. Yeah, absolutely. They'll never be the same. Anyway, uh, so this all culminates into Gary Oldman just, like, um, in the cargo bay door, throwing parachutes out like they're made of nothing. And so, yeah, he's wearing a parachute. Like, he, um... Anyway, do you want to describe the standoff? Do you have a take on the standoff? Uh, the only thing I remember is that, like, uh, you know, Gary Oldman's got the wife by a headlock or something similar. Um, and he's got a gun, and he's just throwing all the remaining parachutes out of, the, out of the plane so he can be like, no matter what happens, you lose, because you can't escape here, and the plane's going to crash. Um, and then s- the wife, I think, um, like punches him and knocks the gun out of his hand and then there's a big scuffle and then Harrison Ford does something involving wrapping like a, a cord of some kind around Gary Oldman's neck. Like a It was so confusing. Like it was like a a, a strap of something connected to the plane. He wraps that around Gary Oldman's neck and then deploys his parachute because this whole time they're standing in front of like the open cargo bay door so there's like you know massive wind behind them sucking things out of the plane so it opens gary oldman's parachute and says get off my plane but it's like you just secured him to you just literally tied him to the plane so all it does is um the parachute behind him just like pulls gary oldman back while his neck is tied to the plane so it strangles him yeah um if you gave me five thousand dollars and six weeks I wouldn't be able to figure out the series of actions that Harrison Ford does to Gary Oldman and his parachute and, like, some weird strap. He ties, he ties the strap around his neck and then he deploys the parachute. Yeah, if you gave me six weeks or whatever I said by that house, I wouldn't be able to figure that out. <laughs> it was so confusing. Like, he was just moving so fast and so involved with Gary Oldman's body as it's like, is, is the president also a doula? Like, what is, <laughs> what is going on? Like, it was so weird. Uh, I don't think... I don't think anyone could ever figure it out. <laughs> it's, it's the strap and the parachute mainly. <laughs> it's one of these central mysteries <laughs> that was always think about. It's a big debate. Yeah, absolutely. Like who shot Mr. Burns? We'll never know. Um, I think they tell you at the end. But um, it's Maggie. But yeah, so he says, "Get off my plane," which we pointed out. Also, it's the taxpayer's plane. Um, Great point. Yeah, it's like, not his. Oh, plane. Yeah. excuse me. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Did, uh, you, did you buy this plane with your money? Yeah. Oh, and another thing too. This really bothered me, and I, I didn't really thought about it until this movie. In what way is the Secret Service secret? What are they talking about? I was trying to explain. It's the fact that they exist isn't a secret. Everyone knows that the president has special bodyguards. They're just called the Secret Service. Why? I think because they, as people, are supposed to be somewhat secretive. But I, I mean, it might just be a thing where they're—it's essentially like calling them the Special Service. You know? Oh, okay. It might just be a—it might just be a name. I like the Special Service more because I'd feel less like Secret Service. It's like they should be dressed as like bushes. And then they hide with bushes and stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know? I mean, I think they're supposed. I think they're plain like, clothes, but like, yeah, I think they as people are supposed to be secretive. But I don't think that 
they as a force are supposed to be like a secret that the force exists. I don't think there's anything that they're doing that isn't remotely secretive. <laughs> I think it's like, you know, if you if the president is going to the Mall of America or whatever, they go there and they're just like, I'm the Secret Service. Quit it. Whatever you think you're doing, I don't even want is to that, know. Is that Quit how they it. work? Uh, yeah, I know these guys. <laughs> <laughs> you know a lot about the government. I'm finding I'm finding through this conversation that you know a lot about. I don't know how many times I have to tell you that I've seen <laughs> almost all of the West Wing. <laughs> Well, that's a good question. How, how does the Secret Service act in the West Wing? They're not. Like, everyone knows they're there constantly. I think it should be just, like, a service. Or, like, you know, uh, you know. Just the, the service. In fact, it should be like, the very well-known service. <laughs> Can you think of a service that's better known than the Secret Service? It's infuriating. <laughs> anyway, this is my type five. <laughs> it's all Secret Service based. Yeah, absolutely. I'm doing a Secret Service convention. <laughs> Anyway, so Harrison Ford, I think, wins. I think, I don't think that they... In general? Yeah, overall, yeah. Oh, no, so at the end? He kicks Harrison... Spoiler alert, he kicks, Harrison yeah. Ford wins. <laughs> he wins the movie. Um, he kicks Gary Oldman off the plane. He's oh, like, yeah, Gary Oldman dies right here. Yeah, get, get off my plane. Yeah. He says. Yeah, as he ties Gary Oldman to the plane. That's his Gettysburg address. And based on <laughs> the speech that opens the movie, I don't think that he can do better. Uh, <laughs> so... Uh, so, um, but then they still have a plane. Uh, they still have a plane. So the, the... They still have a plane. They still have a plane, sure. Yeah. Plane is still in play. They still have a plane around them. They still have a plane. The yeah. problem is no one can land the plane because no one knows how to... There's no pilots on board. Because mm. everyone's been shot. Yeah, so um, Harrison Ford, Press Gangs, William H. Macy to be his co-pilot. They start... Harrison Ford was like, in the army, has flown some planes... At some yeah. point, yeah. So they he's um, like on the phone with someone in in the situation room, who, <laughs> who is teaching him. Yeah, he's giving like, him like the steps. And it seems almost disconcerting about how these planes work. Like where he's just like, you see this dial that says like uh, one. He's like, turn it so it says two nine and he does it, and the plane just <laughs> goes like a ninety degree angle. Turn on this one dial. It's sort of like I would do like one of those things. It's like a plastic case that you put over that dial that you can flip it up to touch it. Um, but there's yeah. What I got that knob was out there waiting for anybody to do that. <laughs> what I got from that dial was that it was basically like the big wheel on a on like a, a Star Trek episode, <laughs> where it's like it's like that's a, that's controlling a lot of things. Maybe make it real big so people don't accidentally turn it way too far. So yeah, so they, um, they're flying, they're tr getting ready to land this plane, but then they start, like, violating some other country's airspace. Oh yeah, they start getting attacked by, by bad, uh, unnamed bad guys. I'm sure yeah. they're, I'm sure they're named. I don't know them. Yeah, so they, um, so they're violating these people's airspace, they start attacking Air Force One. It seems like they could drop a courtesy call to whoever this country is and just do... By the way, yeah. emergency situation. Instead, they immediately send fighter jets to go kill these people from this other country who yeah. are just protecting their country. <laughs> just, like, so... Enemy fighter jets are shooting missiles and things are exploding. And then other fighter jets from U.S. fighter jets come and they start shooting missiles and exploding people. And Harrison Ford goes, the good guys are here. It's sort like, of like... Well, that's a matter of perspective. Oh, absolutely. They're, they're doing exactly the same things. It's kind of like the reverse example of what we always say of sort of like when you're having a question... When the audience is having a question, you should have a character state it. It's sort of like, we are having a question, 
and the main character articulated the antithesis of that question. Right. Which is sort of like, right, it's it's sort like, of like don't the these shots. people have a right to... De- like, they were nervous about an, a, a giant commercial aircraft just... And just like the shots that were shown was very much like one fighter pilot shooting missile and then an identical fighter pilot flying in the opposite direction shooting the exact same missile. Yeah. So like it, it, it felt very much like they were equating the two. Yeah, so it's like if this filmmaker, who is an accomplished filmmaker, was meaning to make us question, uh, you know, our authority to do these things that are just because they're convenient, then he did a good job. But it worked. Yeah. So the the plane that just gets... Uh, Pooch six ways by uh, six ways by Monday. I think it's six ways to Sunday. It's I don't think any of what I just said was an expression, but it just felt <laughs> so good to say. You go for it. It got pooched up. Tuesday was another day to this. The way this plane got pooched. <laughs> uh, so it was like so. One of the fighter jets. So one of the fighter jets is like looking at the outside of the plane. There's and Harris Ford is like I don't know. I can't drive it. It's good now. And uh, the fighter pilot is like looking at this plane. He's like oof. Like, it's, it's all... He goes, Mr. President, sir, this plane is pooched six ways after Monday. He's like, Wednesday, you wish. <laughs> Look how pooched this is. <laughs> so, um, watch the scene. It's basically that, but worse. <laughs> the the, the, the uh, fighter pilot just turns on, his, turns on his mic and goes, pooch. <laughs> pooch. <laughs> and they're just like, keep this line clear. This is an emergency. <laughs> President's trying to get a word in edgewise, and he's just like, "Fighter pilot's just like, poo." Yeah. <laughs> he lets half a beat go by. He goes, "Oh, oh, oh!" Just making that's a pooch sound. Uh, so, <laughs> we maybe had some drinks during this movie, uh, but um, so yeah. So then they decide like one of the guys in this room that Juliet's convinced the situation room is like, "Well, I've got a really funny idea. Um, this idea is hilarious," and so they. Um, Start doing what we're realizing at this point is that they're... It's the cliffhanger opening! They're stealing from cliffhanger, which is like... I don't know if we even covered this in our episode, but there's a, a high scene where there's a cord suspended between two planes and they gotta get stuff back. Oh, with. I was talking about the opening of cliffhanger in which they're rescuing the people from the top of the mountain by having them... But they also do a heist in cliffhanger where there's a cord... Wow, cliffhanger was all about cords. <laughs> <laughs> Just suspending lines. Yeah, between... you know, I was saying in the beginning where they have people going from the dangerous place to the safe place by way of a zip line and then halfway through the zip line the last person something terrible happens to the yeah, last person which is right. exactly yeah. what happens in this following scene and so um in this scene a military plane has attached a cord where like the air force one is not gonna be able to keep flying forever it's yeah got, they're like it's yeah. for sure crashing nothing can be done about it they're uh, it's like the air force one is like you know it, it's seen its best days it's, it's done it's in its august hours um, and so they attach this line and like they start sending guys over and the thing too about the zip line is and the, maybe this is the most realistic part of the whole movie but it seems to be virtually physically impossible for these guys to go over the zip line without looking like complete idiots like they're just like immediately going to wild starfish pose uh, like they're going like thousands of miles an hour I don't know how but they, they had like airplanes the fly. president and the first lady on an open cargo bay and a plane just <laughs> tap dancing and kissing. So it's like There's a lot of scenes in which Harrison like, Ford is just like holding on to the cargo bay door with one hand as the rest of his body is dangling out. Yeah, the right, yeah. Uh, which, by the way, Harry, great wire work. We all admire it. Uh, 
And this is a communist reporter. Harrison Ford, I love you. Please be my dad. Uh, <laughs> you give Harrison Ford the respect he deserves. I don't know. I'm trying to do, what is the Kylo Ren quote? I don't know if I have the strength to do it. No. Um, <laughs> something like that. Something like that. No, Harrison Ford, I love you. Please be my dad. Um, <laughs> so, um, all these soldiers coming across this zipline look like idiots. And I'm just sort of, they should look cool. Because it's like, none of this is, it, none of this matters. Um... Anyway, so do you, uh, I feel like I'm stepping off. <laughs> oh, no, you're covering important ground right now, sweetie. <laughs> so, yeah. Getting the, so the highlights of this scene out. The president, in very kind of um, warrior culture way, um, gets everyone across before he does. Yeah. And, then, oh, and also there's this... So there's the Secret Service guy, the bad Secret Service guy from at the very beginning. He's been, yeah, he's been around this whole time. I don't he's know been here that. Yeah. the entire time. And he's been... He's been in the room while all of these escapes are happening, and he's done nothing to try to stop it, yeah. or or do anything that involve that uh, shows that he's he's one of the bad guys. Which I guess maybe he was just like getting paid or something by by yeah, yeah, and so he has no real stake in it. It's very subtle, but it feels like maybe he's not political, but he's just kind of playing it cool because it's like, like at one point Harrison Ford like hands him a machine gun and yeah. like, you know so he's, and he's like, just like yeah. So he's been playing the long game this entire time, but when it's left to the president, the bad Secret Service guy, and William H. Macy... And they're it, like, we only have one more person we can come across. We yeah. can get across this line. So the Secret Service guy shoots one of the plane guys who came across looking like an idiot. And as he's falling to the earth... Soldier. Well, yeah. He's, so, soldier. soldier, yeah. What did I say? You said one of the plane guys who looks like an idiot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not all soldiers are plane guys who look like idiots. <laughs> I was trying to get more specific with this guy. <laughs> this was the one who did. Uh, I'll cut all that out. So the bad Secret Service guy. Bad Secret Service guy shoots his poor soldier, and um... <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't get you don't get to describe this. Okay, I'm done. Okay, okay, yeah. So one of the rescue workers. Um, <laughs> one of the um, one of the emergency plane guys gets shot by this bad Secret Service guy. <laughs> Is that good? Is that okay? <laughs> Basically, the bad, bad Secret Service guy tries to shoot everyone so that he can get on the plane himself. Yeah. But he shoots everybody, um, including uh, the soldier and the William H. Macy, Macy guy. guy. Yeah, so cat's out of the bag. This guy's no good. And um, and Harrison Ford is just sort of like, it, it was you? You did the bad stuff? And he's, yeah. He's, yeah, I don't even remember their standoff. And yeah, the bad guy says something really cool, like, yup. And, um, <laughs> and so then um, Harrison Ford, like, just cold cocks that sky right in the mush. And, um, <laughs> and like, oh, meanwhile, we have a ticking clock. Like, the other plane is sort of like, you guys are getting real low. We're going to cut this cord. And so... Yeah, but, they're, like, flying... The Air Force One is, like, flying directly into the ocean while this is all happening. And the plane, the Air Force One, even more impatient than the rescue plane, just the buckle flies off that plane. And, like, yeah. Yeah, what it, it's again, again, like, cliffhanger, this sturdy piece of metal that is designed for the only purpose it's designed <laughs> yeah. for is holding these things together just randomly in the middle of the scene for no reason decides to stop holding things together. Yeah. And um, and so then this rescue plane Harrison Ford jumps out he's holding out of his court is just dragging the president of the United States like yeah, a so ragdoll. There's, there's a, a while where there's like a fighter jet and then there's a long zip line, and then just the president is just yeah. dangling off the back end of And it's it. not like he's in... I saw The Dark Knight. It's not like he's in a reinforced Batman suit. <laughs> like he's in, like, some dorky president suit. Like, <laughs> yeah, uh, one of those regular cloth suits. So they reel him in like he's a 
goddamn catfish. And, uh, so, and then he's in the plane. And then you brought... This is your least favorite thing about all movies everywhere. What happens next? The credits roll! <laughs> Which, what the fuck? We just... Guys, we're like... Julia wants... At the beginning of the ending. <laughs> Julia wants every movie to end with all the main characters and drum crew today. <laughs> like, just, Would it kill you to I'm have punch. 30 seconds... Of, like, them back at home, and the president shakes yeah. hands with the vice president, and That's right, maybe yeah. there's some crudite in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Shots, mix, some, some past appetizers. Maybe you, like, see the daughter, and he's like, you were good enough. Yeah. I don't know. There's no, no gesture to no, the daughter at no all. No closing. Yeah. It was just like, he didn't die. Cut. Yeah. Cut, cut right away. Before anything else could possibly happen. So that was all pretty goofy. I feel like, I, I feel bad that. My reaction was, I think this movie's pretty silly. I liked it more the, the I second time. Loved this movie. I enjoyed it. But what I like about you is like you're sort of like everything we just said about. It, we poked a lot of fun out of that. You're just like this is great, right? This was great. I mean, this was maybe my favorite of all the ones we've watched so far. Oh, really? That's great. I thought it was like, uh, just like just like the suspenseful scenes were like genuinely suspenseful the, the entire time like it was really gripping and to this movie's credit it hired great actors and it's sort of like Harrison Ford reacting to the sadistic beats was really well acted you yeah know? I thought it was super gripping and fun and actiony and also having being older and having seen more action movies I think this one was pretty energetic and also knew how to work suspense in a fun way like a so I thought that was good yeah I, I mean it seemed like very much more suspenseful than than most suspense movies like, yeah I think I when I and also like me at 14 maybe it's entering kind of a, a sardonic stage and where it's like I think a lot of people were just roasting the premise oh I see where it's like I'm coming into this movie absolutely I'd never even heard of mm. this movie before. and I was expecting it honestly rewatching it to be more of like a republican fantasy or whatever yeah. but it seemed pretty even keel in terms of like um i wish it had maybe more insight about morality and international justice yeah there's uh, surprisingly little done or said or referenced about politics or right and wrong or how to handle situations yeah it was, it was really just like die hard even like the core rhetoric of the movie which is about whether or not to negotiate with terrorists goes largely unaddressed yeah because it's like he's just like we refuse to negotiate with terrorists and then they're like okay we'll shoot your daughter and he's like okay never mind which yeah. is like yeah that's about how you would think it would go which is like maybe an argument for the 25th amendment but, like, they don't really... But they don't address they, they, that either. I, or they, they, they directly do. refuse it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that is sort of, like, I think maybe my reaction now is, like, I think in terms of just a popcorn thriller, I think that this one is better than movies that get a lot of praise. Yeah. In terms of... But I think it was good enough to also do better in terms of exploring ideas. I mean, that's true. It was a pretty, like, just a straight thriller. It wasn't anything more than that. It wasn't, like... Mm -hmm thriller and also a yeah. you know like anything that was making any statement on the real world at all it was it was just like will they get out of this plane absolutely um but yeah so my this is one of the first movies where my opinion has improved from the uh the rewatching of it because i think i've seen have I, you seen all the movies we've done so far yeah which maybe do one that i haven't seen before but we talked about what you were doing in 1997 versus what oh, yeah. I was doing in what, what was I doing at the age of 14? I was living in Toledo, I'm pretty sure. Where? Were, what were you doing in 1997? 1997. I was, uh, 
nine. So I was uh, in fifth grade in Clarksville Elementary School mm-hmm. in um, Howard County, Maryland. Um, if you were in fifth grade, what what was the person who's four years old, uh, five years old? They're doing. Where was I? Was I a freshman? Yeah, if you were fourteen, you were probably a freshman in in high school. Well, that was disgusting. Yeah. I think all right. So I was. Um, you were being all nervous. I was. Oh, I was selling. You know what I was doing? Oh, was, I had my my first girlfriend. Ugh, of course you did. At fourteen, <laughs> Playboy. Her brother um, held a shotgun to my head <laughs> and pulled the trigger, and was like, "It's not loaded." After he pulled the trigger. Yeah. I was just like, have you seen like, That's the wrong order to tell me that. I was like, have you ever seen the news? Right? Yeah. We were watching The Rock. And he just came out with a shotgun and just put it to my head. Do you know what the funny thing is? I still don't have a problem watching The Rock. <laughs> it's I a get, good movie. I get a weird feeling when I watch Drew Lyons. <laughs> <laughs> See? It's because uh, yeah. sexual violence is, is uh, maybe weirder than violent violence. Yeah. Yeah. No, that maybe that is. Yeah. It's like. Because uh, of the two things, the one was more likely to kill you. Yeah, and that's the one you. Well, feel it's, I think there's a there's a difference between being physically violated and psychologically violated. So I was well, I guess it was psychologically violated. Cause there's not like there's any shells in the shotgun. My life is <laughs> practice being being real. My life is terrible. <laughs> yeah. Your childhood is maybe not great. Get me out of here. My yeah, my my. His dad was a cop too. Oh, so he would have got away with it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Been like, oh, he's coming out. He was coming right for you. Um, as a comparison, <laughs> while that was happening to you, I was making um, turtles out of clay and selling them at my school for a dollar. <laughs> oh, so you bummed? Are you bummed now that you didn't have a girlfriend to get yourself <laughs> assaulted with a shotgun? Yes, <laughs> I think I've made that clear. No, that's fair. Hey, man, love—it's what it's all about. That's why I married you. Let's think about things that are fun. Whoa, 1997. Let's look at what else came out in 1997. Let's look at, like... Like what it was up against? Came out the same year as Titanic. And I had to see that because I had a girlfriend. Oh, yeah, I bet you did. I saw Titanic with my dad. Ooh, Starship Troopers came out. Google. Oh, never mind. Fifth Element. Clearly the better 1997 movie. If you get stranded in 1997, watch Fifth the Element. Fifth Element all the way. Yeah. Anyway, final thoughts? I loved it. I liked it. I feel like I feel like none of the good things about it came across in this discussion of it. I feel like it was a fairly negative no. handling of it. I uh, know. I'm sorry. I do focus on that. And I think that I was still kind of exercising a lot of my emotions about seeing it when I was 14 in the theater, when I thought I was better than any of this, when in reality I'm garbage. You know, I should... <laughs> That's the lesson that we're, that I'm trying to have you take yeah. away from this. I should this be watching... Podcast. Movies of pigs puking. That's what I should be watching. No. If there was a video of a pig puking, you would be doing would nothing for, but watching it. Forward it to everyone. No. no, but I I think I was a little angsty when I watched this. Is maybe another way to take on this. And I thought it was, yeah, a really good thriller. Um, really uh, deep bench in terms of the cast. If you could change one thing about this movie, what would you change? Oh, yeah. I think that the people making this movie were smart, and I think that they should have gone deeper into the ideas driving this movie. I think that they stepped yeah. right up to the plate, but I don't think that they... I think they let it sit between the characters, and I think that they should have developed it a little more. Because uh, you made some observations, too, that, like, the good guys are here, 
such a simplistic, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, after all the rich questions they've kind of pulled up, I don't think that they, even though it was more of an international scope, what the responsibilities or ramifications were, they were still just blowing, <laughs> blowing young men out of the sky because it suited their immediate goals um, at the end. And, and women. And, oh yeah. Well, I think most of the Friday Jets, I didn't see any, I didn't see any, uh... See women can't be fire pilots? In this scene, I'm saying. I didn't see any young women fly, oh, flying oh, those, oh. those specific planes. No, absolutely. They, <laughs> I, I encourage that because I'm, I'm certainly not going to do it. And if the line is longer... <laughs> if there's more, more people... people yeah, between me yeah, and yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Let's... No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, well, let's see how many people can do that before me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, and it is interesting because um, they they do have some touches of Gary Oldman being kind of like a fully fleshed out character, sort of, uh, mm-hmm. where they have, they have, there's like a scene where he's talking to the, the uh, president's daughter and he's like, oh, like, you know, like, I'm supposed to feel sorry for him because he's a, like, he's someone's son. Like, I'm someone's son. I have three young children at home. Things like that, where it's like, they, and, like, the thing with, like, the, you know, the uh, Russian prisoners singing the patriotic song as the guy gets released, where there's touches of, like, yeah. um, you know, Gary Oldman's having a rich, empathetic backstory, but they don't ever give you it. Yeah, but, so it's like, I think I needed a little bit more of, like, I don't think this was in the movie's bandwidth to quite do this, but I think I needed a bit more of, like, maybe the good guys aren't necessarily the good guys you like know maybe, like a little bit more of maybe you can see where everyone is coming from and like where the real problems lie. yeah where it's sort of like the core problems are not being addressed by this kind of interaction at all how about you what would you change air force two there's two planes that would be good oh for a sequel would they do like a shell game with the president where it's like which plane is he in now terrorists that's pretty good right? oh, that's honestly pretty good get off my planes <laughs> They'll say people lose. People be tearing up the seats in the theater when he says, "Get off my planes." I would, I would have Bruce Willis come in somehow. Ooh, yeah, no, yeah, he's the <laughs> new Secretary like of State. Competing John McClane's. Like oh, maybe yeah. there's they're both they're two vigilantes on the plane. No, it and should they have be... to like, uh, you know, they're maybe unintentionally fighting each other at the beginning, so they don't realize. And then they have to team up. Well, I'll keep Glenn close because I'm not a sexist monster, but um, <laughs> but I think they should absolutely be in. They'd both be doing the same thing in separate planes. Yeah, maybe more like traps. More like, uh, like it was pretty straightforward in terms of Harrison Ford was just like in the plane and yeah. then he was like there. Or there, there wasn't a lot of like hijinks. Where I love a good, I love a good trap setting hijink. Also, here's a maybe even a simpler thing. A simpler thing that I would change. A little comic relief. Oh yeah. There's nothing. Yeah. Especially get William H. Macy there. He's great. He could be great. Yeah. He could be great. Who would you... Like, dude, yeah, this have, like, Jack Black as, like, an air traffic controller who, like, they have to work with because it's to patch things in. Like, you're going to have some bullshit, thing, yeah. you know? Like, you don't get a lot of um, uh, bit characters in this movie. It's basically just the president and his family. Yeah. And then the bad guy. And then that's, that's kind of it, where, like, you don't really get any other characterization. Because you have the disaster movie flexibility whereas a disaster movie you get to kind of go to a bunch of different places yeah. of like get... just everything should be an action comedy maybe yeah but that would be fun to have somebody like kind of like yeah all the bit. hostages just disappear right away yeah I yeah mean, yeah They're not, so, they don't... some with parachutes ladies and gentlemen <laughs> some. some without <laughs> this is a kind of fun thing a kind of fun thing i do is i i pronounce it air forte one <laughs> it makes it kind of fun and fancy 
Air Force J1. It's kind of like a cologne. Anyway, well, how are you? Did we do it? Do you think we nailed it? Did we nail it again? Did we crush yet another podcast? Is, is this a six beat? This might be a six beat. You guys, this is it. We're two hours in from when we started recording. You got all. You got we'll all. Cut it stuff. down. I'm pretty sure I said some weird stuff. <laughs> we'll cut that down. Anyway, um. Well, thanks for the. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Um, we did Air Force One. This is our podcast. This is Air Force One. And as always.